Welcome to Cardiology, everybody. I'm your host, Mark Judy. And in today's episode, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the key NFL headlines that have been happening over week nine. You know, the Browns had their bye week and we maybe all got a chance to breathe, not be too concerned about the overall headlines. Maybe you're watching your fantasy team. Um, but let's kind of touch base on some of the things that are happening across the league. But then we're going to spend some time just getting right into talking about week 10 and our really important matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So for today's episode, uh, I actually have with me our good friend, Gary Marr, who has been able to come in and join us for the whole episode this time. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing great, Mark. It's great to be here. And I'm uh, glad to have a chance to, to talk a little more than just about picks. Yeah, Gary has been doing a lot of yeoman's work for us, just calling in wherever he is to, to help me do the picks every week. But uh, we haven't really had a chance to sit down and talk through a whole episode since the preseason. So um, be kind of cool to bend your ear a little bit and, and hear what you get to say. Um, yeah, yeah so, we haven't been together since uh, we went out to the draft. We talked about the, the draft, so it would be good to actually, you know, we had a chance last week to talk a little bit with everybody about, uh, about the team, but it'd be nice to talk one-on-one about everything we're seeing here. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I had forgotten that that is the episode. So you you it was us coming back from the draft is is the last time we got to talk. Well, let's hit some of these NFL highlights. It's a little interesting every time you have a bye week. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a football addict, so I'm watching everything no matter what. Um, but it definitely has a different feel when the Browns aren't in the midst of it, and I don't have to stress about um, their play. But I think some of the big things that you see across the league, you know, I, I think the first thing you got to call out is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they are sitting at eight. No, um, they look like they're clicking very, very well. Um, you know, Jalen hurts is making a lot of believers every week um, and showing himself to be a very special talent. Um, so I, I think that their jump ahead um, is really a, a big thing, but then also too, right on their heels is Minnesota, um, coming in at seven and one. And I think Minnesota might even be a bigger surprise. Um, they just seem to be able to figure out how to win. Um, they're making the right plays at the right time and just, you know, really, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity they get. Yeah. I think both teams are. And I, I just think, uh, we talked a little last week about the fact that there's a lot of parody in this league. And those two teams are the, the real exceptions. They are heads and shoulders above everybody else right now. They're playing um, you know, like, like they're in the playoffs uh, every game. They're just showing up. They're playing hard. And, yeah, they're both surprising. I mean, uh, I, I didn't expect either team to be doing as well uh, as they are doing, uh, particularly Philly. I mean, you, you don't expect a, a, an 8-0 start uh, for any team, I think. That's just impressive by itself. But, you know, that that's a really good start for them. And as you said, Minnesota, they, they but Minnesota, the one you know, they've been kind of in it every year. They always have a good team and they've they've just never quite gotten to the top. So it's uh, uh, I think maybe this is their year to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, with Philly, I think the big thing is just like you said, the the emergence of Hertz, um, because he really um, he had some tough go uh, in the first couple of years. Um, and I don't know that all Eagles fans were really completely sold on him being their guy, um, but he's showing it this year and starting to put everything together and really lead that team. 
I think, like you say, in Minnesota, there have been key pieces in place. Um, you have Dalvin Cook, who has been low-key one of the best running backs in the NFL for multiple years going. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, he's had some injuries at some different times, but when he's been on the field, he's been as dominant as any other running back in the league. Um, and then Justin Jefferson, um, who is one of the um, big young receivers um, who just can take a whole game right on his back. Um, so, you know, that along with um, some veteran leadership out of Kirk Cousins, I don't know that Kirk Cousins is lighting the world on fire. Um, he's a little bit goofy on his internet memes and stuff, walking around and without a shirt and chains on. Did you see that this week? I did not know. He was celebrating on the airplane um, <laughs> and uh, having a little fun, we'll say. But, but, but I think he's doing what you hope when you have a quarterback that's maybe not dominating in the stat categories, he's doing what you hope. And that is not making mistakes um, and keeping the ball moving. And so um, they look really good in the AFC. I think you got to talk about Buffalo. Yeah. They're looking great. Although uh, it was a surprising game last week. though, wasn't it? Uh, yes. That, that loss um, to the New York jets was, I don't think anybody was expecting that, especially with the, tempo and the momentum that Buffalo had going into that game. Um, so that was very surprising. Um, but then you've got the big problem that came out of that game. Um, and we have a lot of Buffalo fans that are kind of sitting on pins and needles right now, uh, worried about what's going to happen with Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, it's a common thread that throughout all three teams we've talked about uh, already is quarterback, right? And, you know, you you can have your your great quarterbacks setting the world on fire, like you know, like Jalen Hurts. You can have your game managers that that, that are great leaders that are inspiring your team, um, but you know maybe not uh, not setting the stats on fire. Um, but but it's important that you have a, a top notch quarterback that's that's either a leader or you know the the top athlete or whatever to lead your team. And, and so Buffalo's got to be nervous because they have that. Uh, if he's if he's hurt, uh, that's definitely going to have a big impact on their team because the, their offense is is really what, what drives that engine there. And, and he's really, he's the leader and he's, he's kind of both though. Actually, he's a great leader and, and he's got the talent with him. So that's what makes them so dangerous. Oh, sure. I think, I think Josh Allen has the whole package and I, you know, this uh, UCL injury in his elbow is not new. This is an injury that he had before in his rookie season. Um, He actually sat out four games um, with this injury before. And, and for anybody who's like a sports fanatic in, in different sports, this is the kind of injury that if you were a baseball player, um, because of the, the strange mechanics of throwing a baseball versus a football, you'd be out for the season. You'd be done. Um, so in football, it's a little bit different. The angle is a little bit different. So there are, there are players who've, who've toughed it up and muscled through. Um, but I think right now, Buffalo fans are probably one, you know, kind of hoping that it won't be as bad as it was last time, but very hopeful that it'll only be as bad as it was last time and not be any worse. And speaking of that, if, if, uh, if he is injured, which, you know, I don't think we ever wish injury on anybody, but if he is, who, who is his backup? Don't we get to see a familiar face if, if, uh, if he's injured for our game? That's absolutely correct. We would be seeing Case Keenum in his, return to our stomping grounds. So um, just an interesting bit of, 
of headlines and storylines. The NFL never disappoints um, no, as you go through all that. Um, so that's kind of some of the leaders. Um, there's a big group of teams sitting at kind of that six win category. Kansas city continues to look good. Baltimore just had a really solid game, um, on Monday night against the saints. Um, so unfortunately they look like they're starting to get it together. Um, so a lot of, a lot of teams and, and as we've kind of talked about in, uh, we talked about in our bi-week episode, we've talked different times throughout the year. Um, it's going to make it hard. It's going to make it very, very difficult to be a wild card team. And that's really what the Browns are looking at right now. Um, there's really not a whole lot of other options. Um, so, uh, Tough sledding coming ahead. Um, speaking of the AFC North, they sure didn't do us any favors. No, they didn't. Uh, we took a we took a week off uh, along with uh, Pittsburgh, and then the uh, the two teams that didn't both got victories, put us further behind, which which does not help at all. It does not. It did not. You would have liked to have seen somebody trip up. You really really were hoping to see Baltimore come back and create a log jam there at the top, but. Um, but hey, you know what? It really just boils down to we're going to play Baltimore and Cincinnati soon, and we're going to have to win. Um, you know, you're just going to have to put up the wins and and take take the division. Um, Pittsburgh is a, is really interesting. Um, now, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not going to say that I dive a lot into Pittsburgh bulletin boards or anything like that because I'm not going to lie. I don't really care for Pittsburgh. I've never have. I'm a I'm a a cardiac kid through and through. So I don't like to bother myself with that. Um, but I will say what is interesting is to hear the kind of conversation around their quarterback that we have had to deal with year after year after year. Um, and I think that that is, um, it's interesting to see them having to navigate those waters, making some missteps in my opinion. I think, I think that once they went to, um, Kenny Pickett, I think they just should have thrown away the keys. Um, you you back him as much as possible, and you just continue to do whatever you can to make him successful. Um, and I think they've been a little bit too quiet. They've they've kind of let the the naysayers fester because I don't know if Kenny Pickett's a great quarterback. I, I'm I think he was a little overvalued in a weak quarterback class, um, even though he didn't get drafted till down by the by the Steelers. But I do think that it's super early to tell. Um, and so I'm, I, to hear people already down on him and, and feel like they got to do something else for the season is, is really bizarre. Well, look, that's why Tomlin wanted to keep him on the bench all year and, and Pittsburgh tried. They, they, they did the, uh, they gave it the old college try, I guess, if you will. And they went out and they traded for Trubinsky and hoped that, that he would be a serviceable quarterback to get him through the season uh, so that they can kind of uh, just wait on Pickett and not put him in until they till next year, until he had a little bit of seasoning on him and a little little time to adjust or maybe even you know, more towards the end of this year at least. Uh, and they had to put him in early. And it, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, if you listen to Tomlin, it wasn't what he wanted to do at all. And, and I think this is why. What you're seeing is exactly why. He knew uh, he was going to struggle a bit. Uh, all young quarterbacks uh, – kind of with his skill set do and he knows that the Pittsburgh fans were going to be all over him when he did and that makes it tougher and it, it's tough for your confidence it's it's really tough to get back out there each week when everybody's down on you uh, but you know we'll we'll see how he weathers that storm uh, you know I'm just glad it's there and not here 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's 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 nice to see, even if it is just for a couple of weeks, that we don't have to talk about a quarterback. Um, and then the last big headline that's happened, and this is really recent, um, and coming off of the results of this past week is Indianapolis and the firing of Frank Reich, and then the hiring of Jeff Saturday yeah. as their interim head coach. Um, so I don't know what's going on down there. Um, it seems like a little bit of a dumpster fire, um, maybe a little bit of panicking. I, this is a team that a lot of people in the preseason were, it was a fashionable pick to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, you had Jonathan Taylor coming into his own. They'd been having quarterback struggles, but they brought in Matt Ryan, who was, who was hopefully going to be the veteran leadership to kind of tie these pieces together. They had some, some young pieces, um, but they also had an offensive line that they thought they could count on. And right now they look a mess. It looks like their offensive line just isn't playing well. Matt Ryan's um, time there turned into a very big bust. Um, and you've had Jonathan Taylor on and off the injury report. Um, so I don't know. This, this is obviously a desperation move. Um, and I don't even know. Maybe you can't even call it that. Maybe this is more along the lines of, hey, we've got nothing to gain, nothing to lose. Let's just, you know, pop a familiar face in the locker room and just ride this out, which I just don't know that that's the best approach with professional football players. Look, it, it's not the best approach. And we, we know that. We've talked about that here many times. Look, it, it's, a, it's a radical enough move to, to fire your head coach midseason. That, that is a, a move that should take a lot of thought. It should not be approached lightly. It should be you know, done under extreme circumstances. But to, to fire your head coach and then to go outside and bring in your interim head coach, that, that just doesn't happen at all. And there's a reason for that. I mean, you've got systems that have been put in place. You've got players that are used to different schemes. You can't really change all that mid mid season and mid year. And so that's why usually you put an assistant coach up into the head coach, interim head coach play, you know, position and, and ride with it. So I think that what's going on over there is just, as you said, braced it. I think it is a dumpster fire. I think, um, you know, they, they could uh, exceed expectations and, and all of a sudden look better because they have looked so bad. I mean, they, they have a good shot that they have look better, but um, it just, I just think that what they're doing is just going to make it make it worse in the short term. And it's going to give them even more questions in the off season. Cause then, you, you know, now you would make your interim head coach, full-time head coach. Did he get a good shot at it? You know, you've got a lot of questions that you're going to go into the off seasons with on that, but you, you said it, I mean, they've got a solid team. I, it's, it's hard to figure out why they look so bad this year. You know, Matt Ryan, you know, say what you want about him, but he's always been a solid quarterback and, you know, debate over how great he is or good he is, but he's always been very solid. Uh, so you'd think he would have been a, a serviceable quarterback to work with. they got a great running game, as you said. Uh, just don't know how they managed not to be able to put those pieces together to, to have at least a decent team this year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame because they really did seem like they were, they were making the move up, and now it seems like they're taking a ginormous step back. Um, I, like I said, I just I, I think it's a bad move to do these kind of things with a team that still has to go out and play. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot of veterans out there. You've probably got some free agents who are trying to um, 
have a name, get their next contract. And this kind of change, I mean, they didn't just fire their head coach. They fired their offensive coordinator and primary <laughs> play caller too. Right. So Jeff Saturday's coming in there. He didn't, like you said, he did not set up any of these processes. Heck, um, and we're being a little bit generous. Uh, to be honest, I don't even understand how Jeff Saturday was a candidate for this job. Right. He, his, his entire head coaching experience is in high school and for like three years. That's like nothing. That's nothing for a coach. Um, and the idea that he's going to come in there and somehow rejuvenate this locker room when he doesn't understand the processes and he doesn't know what's been practiced. I mean, Jeff Saturday is a very intelligent guy and, and, and was part of some of the heyday in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning, but they're not running Tony Dungy's offense and defense. That's not what's going on right now. This is Frank Wright's offense and it's been there for a while. So the terminology, all that kind of stuff, uh, it just seems like a, a, a huge chance to take. And then also to just, I, I just don't know how, how your veterans on your team, what, what they think of something like this. Yeah. And that's a, that's the big question to, to find out how they're all going to react to it. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It would be interesting to see who's calling the plays, how that's all going to work uh, when they come out here uh, and take the field. Cause it's um, it, yeah. A lot of questions there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and let's take a really quick break here and let's have um, a quick word from our sponsor. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to get all into the Browns. We're going to worry about week 10 and all of the buildup that's associated with that. Um, some of the key updates that we have leading into that game. And then just looking at our keys um, to really hoping that we pull off wins. So on the, we'll catch you on the other side of this break. And let's hear a little bit from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder coated wood garage cabinets, CB's custom garage interiors and more has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CBs has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330 
542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. So now it is time to look into week 10 and our travels down to Miami um, for a big game against the emerging Dolphins um, and uh, how that is going to play out for us. I think uh, one of the things to kind of touch upon first, um, we're going to look for um, some injury updates, uh, hopefully on Friday. Um, we'll get a little bit more injury information. But so far, some of the information coming out of the Browns and the bye week has been somewhat positive. Um, we're hearing that Wyatt Teller, uh, as well as Denzel Ward, were practicing. Now, I don't know exactly what those practices look like. They probably were pretty close to walkthroughs. Um, but it's nice to see them out there, especially... You know, I mentioned in our last episode, I'm worried about Denzel Ward um, and his concussion history um, and getting him back on the field. So um, it was good to hear about that. Um, but we also had a couple other players that, we, we're, that we've been keeping track of, too. Yeah, I think uh, JOK, uh, I think he's um, questionable. They, they're being a little quiet as far as, uh, you know, what's going on with him. Uh, so we'll have to have to see where that goes. And Najoko, same thing. He, he, they're um, being a little reserved in their comments, but he's not ruled out. Uh, neither of them are ruled out. So uh, we'll have to see you know, how they progress this week as well. But you're right. Uh, I think Ward is an interesting one to me because the, the comments they've made have been very, um, I don't want to say, not providing a lot of information. They basically said he, they achieved the next step in the process of recovery, and but which puts him on the practice field. Usually once you come out of, of that and you start practicing, it's pretty certain you're going to play. But with those comments, I, I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's really challenging. I, you know, I would be surprised to see Njoku back already. Um, you know, high ankle sprains are notoriously hard to get over, but also too, they're the kind of thing that can linger if you, if you rush it too quickly. So um, yeah. I'd be a little surprised to see that. Um, the JOK injuries are a little bit more interesting to me just because at one point uh, they were saying it was his quad. Um, he was listed as a knee on the week eight injury report. So I don't necessarily know exactly what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and JOK is a big part of this defense. Um, it's awesome that we had such an, uh, a great game without him. Um, against Cincinnati, but the but the reality is that he is typically your most athletic linebacker on the field at any time, um, and so you're never better without someone like that on the field. So 
hopefully we get some good information out of that. Yeah, we'll talk more about it in case of the game, but I think he's a guy you want to have on the field with a mobile quarterback. So that that is that's big. They're two smaller uh, recoveries too. I think you've got Ford uh, might might be coming back. He's oh, that's right, that's right. In, and then Winovich, and I think Ford's the most um, pertinent because you know he, he can uh, do kick returns, and you know special teams could be a difference here too. That's a, that's a good point. I I forgot about that. Both those guys coming back off of the injured reserve, um, so that that was good to see. Get them get them back and get them into the flow of this team and this offense. Um, so the other kind of piece going here, you know, as we look at these injuries and we get everybody, it is momentum um, and how, how we recapture that momentum. And so um, as you're kind of looking at this game and this matchup, what are, what are some of the key areas that you're looking at for, you know, hopefully recapturing that lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Look, there, there's a there's a couple of things that I think um, are really important. Um, one is coaching. I think we I mentioned that last week about the game. I think you know we've got to have that coaching continue to be at, at that high level that we saw last week. The team has to come in ready to play. We need to stick with the game plan, even if we get behind a little bit. Uh, we you know that I think is what does us in most often often as we get behind and we kind of abandon our game plan. I think we need to stick with it. We showed, saw last week that our coaches are coming in with a good game plan when they stay with it, and they need to do that. So that's one of the keys to me uh, that ties into kind of my a second key I have, which is which is defense. I think you've got a very potent offense there in Miami. They've shown that they can score. Uh, you've got two of there who's a, a good quarterback. He's, he's very mobile. Uh, but we've seen we've shown that we can stop that. Uh, when we played Baltimore, we were very very effective against uh, against Lamar, and I think we can do the same thing with the you know, with the you know if JOK is back, especially I think that helps. Uh, but certainly you know defensive backs covering th- those wide receivers, all of that. So I think defense is a, a big part of this. You know, we're not going to stop them, but but if we can slow them down, then that's going to be a, a big part of us winning the game. And then the last part is the, the easiest one. It's it's run run run. Um, it's been how we've won games all year. Miami is, uh, it's one of their weaknesses and I think it helps us control, you know, time possession. It's going to help us control the game. It's going to help us control the pace. So it's, it's not just the fact that we have one of the best running backs in the league, which we do, and we need to utilize him. But I think in this game, it's more important than ever because you've got such a high power offense over there in Miami that we want to keep control of that ball. We want to keep control of the, the pace of the game, the timing, um, and all of that. So those are the, the three keys that I kind of see that going into the game this week that, that, that kind of jump out at me. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with all those points. I think, um, you know, as I was looking at this game, you know, really diving into Miami's offense and what has made them successful this year, um, they are big play. Um, big play passing offense, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill leading the league in just over 1,100 yards receiving in nine games. Um, and that's still, I, I feel like he's a good over 200 yards ahead of anybody. So even if everybody was playing nine games, he's still ahead of everybody. Yeah. Um, but then right behind him is Jalen Waddell, who's put in um, 812 yards. 
Um, so they are slinging the ball around. Um, and they've been doing that whether Tua was in the game or whether a backup was in the game. Um, but what we're seeing the last few weeks is Tua continues to get sharp. Um, you know, so obviously a very scary moment with his concussion and what we saw happen um, both leading into and after that concussion. Um, but he definitely seems like he's continuing to build confidence and he's continuing to build some skills um, within um, this Mike McDaniels offense. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the big keys is this offense is creative. Um, they look for ways to make Tua look good and to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Now, a majority of the time that is through the air. Um, Tua is a mobile quarterback, but as we mentioned, um, his concussion issues this year have made them very gun shy mm -hmm. about letting him run quite the same way. Now he, he has come out and said that he, he's not sure he can play that way. Um, but I know that some of the schemed runs, um, the planned runs have definitely been pulled back. Right. Um, to keep him out of harm's way. Um, now, they did just trade for Jeff Williams Jr. Um, from San Francisco um, and immediately put him in a game and allowed him to get some receiving touches, um, some touchdowns, um, and really play a factor in that backfield. Um, interestingly enough, he's sharing that backfield with Raheem Mosert, who he shared time with in San Francisco at one point. So you get two running backs who are very similar skill sets, um, very fast. Um, when they get in the open field, they, they are a challenge. Um, but they are both primarily receivers, um, and that is really their big claim. So um, when we look at the Miami offense, I think it's all about stopping their big plays, um, limiting them. Um, you know, I do think that Tua has – has continued to build some skills. Um, but one skill that still is a little bit off for him is his accuracy on the deep ball. Um, you know, he's got a, a safety net out there in, in the name of Tyreek Hill, who can outrun, run around, go in circles about around just about any defensive back. Um, and he has saved to uh, more than one time. Um, so I think it's going to be a huge challenge for our offense um, to keep up with this group. Um, but, but really with the defense and the secondary, um, we're going to have to be watching, you know, if, if we have Ward back, what does that platoon look like? Um, are we going to be asking um, Martin Emerson to try to lock up Tyreek Hill as a rookie because that's not that's not a recipe for success. Um, and I don't even know that Greg Newsom um, is going to be a great matchup there. So um, the secondary that has been starting to do really well is going to have to pull together another complete game and really focus on how they're going to be covering because there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, Hill, Hill is the primary threat. Waddle's not far behind. Um, but then when they get in the red zone, right behind Waddle is Gusecki um, as their tight end. So they're the guys who are the red zone threats. And then you have Tyree Kill taking the long balls. Um, 
I think the other big key that I'm looking at is, is I've been looking at the Miami defense um, and what opportunities lay there for our Browns and also what pitfalls um, lay ahead. So um, the Miami defense is currently 27th in the league in overall yards allowed. Um, now they're 19th versus the run um, and then 28th versus the pass and 27th in points allowed. So they're, they're getting into a lot of shootouts yeah. and, and having to, you know, keep up in the ante. Um, that is not a strength of the Browns, even though the Browns have had and continue to have a high ranked offense. We're currently ranked as number four offense. Um, even with uh, the bye week hanging on us. Um, but the, the thing that we don't do very well is go attack for attack with any team. Um, and so that is going to be a challenge. I think that's something we have to watch out for. Um, I also, I am concerned. Um, as much as I am a believer in Kevin Stefanski and I've been one of the people who has been kind of a naysayer about his play calling, I believe that it's just fine. You don't get to number four offense without being good at your job. Um, I'm a little worried that the, the carrots are a little too extreme out there. Um, this idea that this team is 28th against the pass and 27th in yards allowed. I'm just hoping that we don't get cute. Um, I really want to see, much like you said, I want to see us basically, basically go into this game and pretend Miami is Cincinnati to start the game. Yeah. Go at them, run at them, put them on their heels, and then sure, if the play action passes start opening up and somehow – um, you start to see some breakaways in there for uh, DPJ or Amari Cooper, so be it. But I just don't think you can ignore the fact that all of your success comes from establishing the run. No matter how bad the defense is on the other side, you have to have your run established for your team to have the kind of confidence that they need to have. Um and, and you called it out in your keys. Um, you want the ball out of their hands. You want to control it when you've got it, and you want to keep it and make the most out of it. So I'm really looking for, um, much like you, I want to see some good, consistent coaching. I need to see the defense continue um, to step up um, because they've got, uh, they've got a, still a lot to answer for this season is where it is because of the way the defense has been inconsistent. So how they capture um, their mojo coming off of the bye week and, and how they prepare for Miami is going to be huge um, in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, especially, look, coaching, there's a lot of pressure. We've had extra, extra time to prepare for this game. So we we need to come out and look good and have the, have the right game plan and you know, it's that we've got that momentum. We did look good coming into this, um, but hey, that's one game. So we, we need to now make it a series. You know? Yeah. And this is a, I mean, this is a challenging game. I think it's a winnable game. Um, I think that Miami has shown um, a lot of power, but they also came out hot and they've had some ups and downs at different times through the season. Um, I think that you, 
um, you're going to want to get in on the quarterback. Um, and we've got Miles Garrett. Um, and if we can get the defensive line play that we had against Cincinnati, um, the pressure that we were getting from all areas of the field onto Tua, I think that's big um, because you want to buy some more time for even the best secondary is going to be tested by the likes of Hill and Waddle. They just are. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, the more time that you can give them in coverage by really putting on the heat and putting on the pressure is going to be a big piece. Um, they, we saw that last week with the, the Jets and the Bills. The, the part of how the Jets beat the Bills was there was constant pressure there. Their front four, which they pretty much only rushed four of the whole game, but they kept constant pressure on. They, they, they somehow got through and put that pressure there. And I think, as you said, that that's a key here. We, we need to put pressure onto it. And, and that always works. If, if you can get pressure on a quarterback, even the good ones, and, and reduce their time to throw, uh, reduces the time for the receivers to get open, and it just helps everything. And so I think, yeah, the, the importance of defensive line play this, this week is huge. They've got to get that pressure. You know, one last note on the Miami defense is that during the trade deadline, the Miami really focused on trying to get some defensive help. So they traded for Bradley Chubb. And while Bradley Chubb ne wasn't necessarily getting a ton of sacks, he is a handful mm -hmm. um, to have on that defensive line. So um, he's going to be his second week with the team. Hopefully for him, they will have worked him in a little bit. You know, hopefully for us, they will not have figured it out quite yet. Um, but that is something we're going to have to watch out for how he, um, lends, uh, a, a few more muscles to this, uh, Miami defense and what that looks like. So again, I don't want us to get cute because very quickly we could decide to start dropping back Jacoby a lot. And here comes Bradley Chubb, um, and makes us look silly right off the get-go. So I really want to be careful in that regard um, because they, this is a good team in Miami. Um, I don't know yet whether they are ready to be um, quite where their record is. Uh, I don't know if they're ready to be floating up there with the top of, of this conference. Um, but to be honest, I don't know who, who is ready to really run with the bills right. and the chiefs right now. Um, so uh, they've got a tough road to go through. They've got a they've got a head to head go through Buffalo and Kansas City um, and deal with all that. So um, I just think um, they they've got a lot going for them, um, and and they're they're doing pretty well with their coaching. Um, a lot of questions about their defensive coordinator, just like we have a lot of questions about um, ours. Um, a lot of complaints down there, but um, they're kind of on the other side of the equation for us. A couple of lucky bounces have gone in their favor as opposed to against us. Um, so it's going to be a really tough game, a really tough matchup. Yeah, but I, I do agree with, I think the one basic thing you said, um, I'd reiterate, which is, yeah, we don't need to get cute. Look, they've got, as you said, I think it was 27th ranked defense there. We need to, we need to just, play the game. We know their defense is, is beatable. We need to, to play our game and not try and get overly cute about this. And I think if we do that, we've got a better than ever shot of, of winning this game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. 
Um, so um, you haven't been with me the last couple of weeks, but um, I it is my tradition to allow the guest host to give their prediction first. Um, so I, I'm interested to hear how do you see this playing out? What what are you looking for as a result out of this game? Oh, wow. So that is putting me on the spot. Um, so, look, I think it's going to be a much lower scoring game. Well, if we play the way that, that uh, I think you and I have outlined, I think it's going to be a much lower scoring game than people expect. Uh, I really think that we're to win this game. We need to control it. I think we are going to come out and do that. I think we're going to run the ball against them. I think we're going to use that to set up the pass. We're going to do prolonged drives. I think that's going to slow their offense down. And, and I think that's going to put us in that at the position to win a, a close game, but, but put us in the position where we, we can overwhelm them and win with, with our game plan. So I'm, I'm going to call this one for the Browns. Um, I don't know if you're looking for a score or not, but I'm going, I'm just going, going for the Browns and I'm probably going to go with, you know, something around a, a 21-18. 21-18. Okay. Well, I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I do think that, in order for the Browns to win this game, they're going to have to do it offensively. Um, in the lieu of a major um, defensive showing, um, you know, if if the Browns can suddenly get some takeaways, because uh, right now we're, we've got a negative um, turnover differential, um, we really have not been getting those big plays. Um, so if the defense could maybe drum up some turnovers, it might change the whole dynamic of this game and yep. keep the Browns from having to get into a shootout. Um, I do think that um, we're going to have to pull out the stops a little bit to keep this going. Um, I am going to err on the side of optimism as well um, in terms of our defense. Um, I'm going to go a little bit more with a 24-17 Browns win. Um, I think we see a solid running game. I think we see at least two rushing touchdowns. Um, and then I think what we're going to see on the other side is hopefully at least one um, nice pass, uh, one nice to advantage, um, and some field position game. So I'm, I'm looking at this as um, a close game, maybe a little bit more breathing room than, than you had, but, but along the same lines. Not far off. We're pretty, their predictions are pretty close. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it could just be the bye week talking. I mean, the reality <laughs> is going into the Cincinnati game, I didn't feel very good about this team at all. Um, they showed a lot in Cincinnati, but it was one time. Um, so, uh there is the possibility we could be staring at another egg laid on the field in this one. But I really, you know, my, my optimism is in that the, not just the coaching staff, but that the entire locker room learned something in Cincinnati about who they are, who they can be and how this season should really be going. Um, and I think if they come out of that, with this chip on their shoulder that they can beat anybody, um, then we might be very, very pleasantly surprised um, come Sunday afternoon. I want to thank you for joining me uh, today, Gary, so that we could get kind of a preview going into the Browns game. 
Um, Gary will be joining me uh, again later this week. He's going to join me on Friday. We are going to post our, we're going to get back to our picks. Um, So we'll post our quick picks about how we see everything going. And then we'll, we'll probably get it. Like I said, a quick injury update so that we can get a little bit more information um, about these key players uh, on the Browns roster and what it's really going to look like um, going into the weekend. But um, thanks for kicking in and and joining in Gary is nice to uh, get to talk a little bit more about everything. Oh, this was great. I enjoyed, enjoyed this tremendously. And, uh, you know, hopefully we provided at least some good things to think about. I want to thank everybody who helps us out there. Thank our sponsor. Um, and as always, you can check out the cardiology podcast. You can check us out on our webpage at www.cardiologycle. That's cardiology with a K and CLE at the end.com. Um, or you can check us out on your favorite um, audio streaming network, whether it is Apple, Amazon, or Spotify. We're out there. We'd love to hear from you, any feedback you have, but also too, um, we just love knowing that you're out there and, and hopefully you're enjoying this as much as we are. So are you ready, Gary? You want to you, you, you wanna cheer us out? You want to do it? Everybody hears me do it all the time. It's pretty sad. You want to give it a shot? I don't want to steal your thunder, but, you know, but, hey, all I can say is go Browns. (laughs) Go Browns. Excellent. Have a good one, everybody. 